Welcome to today's event, the latest in Transportation Insights Digital Master Series. Our roundtable of subject matter experts are going to be talking about what's on the horizon in the transportation marketplace for the remainder of this year and heading into 2021. I'm Michael Willard on the marketing team at Transportation Insight. We've invited some of our supply chain masters to join us today. Before we turn it over to the roundtable, I want to remind our audience that we welcome your participation as we move through the program today. Please submit your questions for our panelists in the GoToWebinar questions panel. We'll address questions as possible during the event and at the conclusion of our presentation, though I know it's going to be packed with information. I'm going to now hand that presentation over to Rick Brummett. Rick's assembled a distinguished career working in logistics and supply chain management. His expert level knowledge of global transportation networks, warehousing, and retail distribution makes a significant impact for our clients. He is Transportation Insights Vice President of Client Services, and today he's our roundtable moderator. He's going to get us started by introducing each of our panelists. Hello, Rick. Thanks, Michael. Um, hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, we've got a uh, we've we've assembled a great panel today to to exchange uh, insight, uh, not only current insight, but insight into uh, 21. I know that we're all probably in budget time now, so hopefully this information that we're able to relay today will help you through that process. Uh, joining us today, we've got Todd Benj, who is Transportation Insights Vice President of Parcel Operations. Uh, Todd has decades of experience in the in the parcel industry. Um, he's a he's a master when it comes to uh, uh, the the way the networks operate and how to position clients' businesses within networks. And Todd will be joining us uh, in a few moments to to lead the the discussion on, on parcel. We also have uh, Chris Clever with us. Uh, Chris is uh, the Senior Vice President of LTL Solutions for Transportation Insight sister company, Freight Pros, Freight Pros powered by NTG. Uh, Chris will be joining us today and talking about the transactional LTL industry and, and kind of current state there, uh, along with what we can anticipate uh, going into uh, 2021. Um, Jacob Hawkins is here today. Jacob is having camera issues, so you won't be able to see his young face uh, with this distinguished panel. Uh, Jacob uh, is our senior manager of LTL Pricing Services. Uh, Jacob is, uh, is, is truly a, a professional and, and highly recognized in the LTL industry by the insight he can bring. Jacob will be talking a little about LTL and how it's positioned within Transportation Insights Enterprise Platform. Uh, James Matthews is joining us. James is uh, TI's Director of Truckload Procurement. James is an industry expert with decades of experience, both in uh, asset-based and non-asset-based uh, uh, truckload transportation. And James, James will bring us a lot of knowledge uh, today. And then uh, we've all uh, come to, uh, you know, as we as we give the, the weekly and monthly updates have come to really know Gene uh, Smith. Uh, Gene is TI's director and general manager of indirect sourcing. Uh, Gene became quite popular earlier this year uh, because of PPE equipment uh, uh, products and uh, that are that were much needed during the the COVID pandemic on and, and he helped a lot of our clients secure secure product. So Gene will give us an update on where we are currently and then also later in the presentation we'll talk about budgeting uh, for 2021. So uh, Brother Todd, if you could get us started by just giving us uh, just a, a few moments of current state as we're going into uh, peak season, Christmas season, holiday season on the state of the parcel industry as we sit today. Sure, thank you very much, Rick. So this is unprecedented time for us in the uh, parcel side of the world. Um, we're looking at probably the uh, largest peak season that the carriers have ever faced. There has, uh, all, if you take a look at it, FedEx and UPS are heavily, they always are heavily at this time hiring seasonal help. UPS has stated they're looking to hire and, and uh, uh, train 100,000 uh, individuals during this time saying, 
with uh, uh, about 70000 for FedEx, but uh, Amazon has also stated they're doing the same, hiring about 100000 uh during this time, too. One of the concerns that you see is, are is there going to be enough capacity to support the holiday season between Thanksgiving and Christmas? And it looks as though it's going to uh, have the possibility of exceeding what the capacity of the network is facing. Um, as we know, through COVID, uh, basically the carriers have um, been managing peak season for over six months uh, due to the buying habit changes for individuals having more going to the homes with uh, basically the brick and mortar being shut down and not being able to go to the normal stores to, to get your goods and having more of that being delivered at the home front. And doing that, um, it's really taxed the capacity of these carriers and we're going into a, a, a situation where that capacity has been ate up and we're looking at, um, and it's it's one of the reasons why you've seen them suspend their guarantees, because there's going to be a delay in service, and that delay in service is going to impact all of uh, the e-commerce shippers' supply chain. So this is going to be a a a very difficult time as we move forward. And pricing in this day and age, all the carriers have instituted peak season surcharges not only on uh, hard-to-handle packages, but the traditional residential packages, as well as the USPS for the first time has instituted a uh, uh, peak season surcharge. So this will be a bumpy road going into peak, and then coming on the outside of it, will be, we'll, we'll see a different, uh, different world of small package. Thank you, Todd. Uh, Jacob, would you like to give us a current state update in the in the LTL space uh, as it relates to our enterprise clients? Sure, absolutely, Rick. Yeah, <clears throat> similar to Parcel, I mean, capacity is extremely tight. These are interesting times in LTL as well. Um, most carriers are at least have key lanes where you could say uh, they're over capacity. Uh, Southern California is by far the most problematic lane for anyone operating there. Um, many national carriers have had to fly in drivers and dock workers from other areas of the country to address um, just the, the abundance of freight they have in those areas. You are seeing, you know, temporary embargoes with certain carriers for certain terminals. Sometimes it's just lasting a few days, usually at a time. They're just doing those things so they can get caught up, keep the freight moving, try to, you know, get back to those expected service levels as much as possible. A lot of our customers have brought complaints to us about specific carriers. They're, they're key incumbents saying, you know, hey, I want to look at other options. But what we've really been cautioning our customers uh, during this time is, you know, don't, don't necessarily think grass is going to be greener on the other side. Um, you could jump to another carrier and find out the service is actually going to be worse than you were seeing with your incumbent. So we've been cautioning our customers to definitely keep a more of a long-term partnership uh, vantage point in these situations and uh, work with your carriers. And the biggest thing customers can do right now is set expectations with their end customers. You know, if you have any ability to build in lead time into your process and set those expectations with your customers, that's really one of the better ways you can uh, of uh, dealing with these capacity issues and uh, on-time service issues we're seeing currently. Thanks, Jacob. Uh, Chris, welcome again to the panel. And if you could give us some uh, current state insight in the, in the LTL transactional world. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks, Rick. And yeah, I would piggyback a lot on uh, what Jacob just said uh, in terms of just capacity constraints, you know, in this, in the LTL uh, environment, uh, certainly Q3, um, we saw unprecedented uh, amounts of, of volumes moving through the system and has really, you know, impacted, um, you know, our core kind of carrier partners networks. Um, so, Setting expectations, that's been the, the message to our customers as well. We are seeing delays across the board. It's, you know, we have the more of the economy carriers in our system where we've, we've expected that. Um, and uh, the kind of premium carriers um, are feeling that pain as well. We, um, you know, some of our carrier partners have, have expressed they'll expect in a typical year, 
you know, three, four percent growth within their network. Um, some of them have seen um, anywhere from 10 to 12 percent, and they're just not equipped um, to deal with that. So set expectations, make sure you do, you know, on the, the transactional side, have available other options. You know, if you're working um, through uh, a blanket type of a program, which is what we would focus on uh, with Freight Pros, um, make sure you've got those options there. So the other thing that's pretty rampant in the blanket environment, um, again, for shippers that are kind of under that half million dollar in spend, um, the carriers have been very quick to implement additional surcharges, um, to turn away freight that may not operate well in their system. Um, again, the, the type of freight moving is not as well defined typically um, through a smaller type of a customer. So they are turning away, they're trying to uh, make sure the freight that is moving through their system um, is as profitable as possible for them and they've got the leverage at this point and, and can, can turn away freight that, that doesn't work for them. Okay, thank you, Chris. Uh, James, uh, you could give us some current state knowledge on uh, the truckload, both uh, uh, transactional and, and uh, enterprise, please. Uh, sure thing, thanks, Rick. Um, we've kind of seen a, a bit of a cooling in the last couple of months, maybe a plateauing of uh, some of our spot rates. Uh, but I also want to point out that those are also uh, plateaued at a pretty high mark in comparison to where we've been year over year. Uh, so when we look at uh, van spot rates, they've actually, uh, even though they've kind of leveled out, they're at about 29% above where they were this time, 2019. Uh, flatbed rates have been elevated about 10% over what it was uh, this time last year, and reefers coming in right at 19% above where we were uh, in, in 2019, but to kind of illustrate what that actually looks like, if you go back to even what national average rates were in, in May. Uh, so for dry van, the national average rate uh, per mile was about $1.60 in May. If you're looking here currently in October, we're at $2.42 average per mile. That is a huge increase uh, that, we've been, that we've seen in that five month time frame. Flatbed has experienced something similar. They're at a, uh, back in May, they were at $1.90 average per mile, and we're sitting right at uh, $2.46 per mile. Uh, Reefer has jumped from about $2.02 per mile to almost $2.60, right at $2.59 uh, per mile in, uh, in current state. So um, while we've seen that kind of plateauing, that leveling out over the last uh, uh, couple weeks, it's still at a uh, at a at a premium rate, in particular to what the season is. Uh, COVID kind of threw the seasonality uh, out the window, um, and hopefully we'll see that kind of come back down. But when we're looking at uh, demand or markets that are kind of hot right now, uh, from a van standpoint, um, we're seeing pockets of higher demand, even though we have seen that cooling in a day-to-day -day, uh, load posting, truck posting environment. Uh, but we're seeing some higher demand in maybe the pack Northwest and Southern California, most notably. I think that'll be a common theme across the modes. Um, but I think you can expect uh, some increase in uh, van demand as we prepare for Black Friday and maybe some increased uh, retail sales. Flatbed actually looks uh, like it's holding pretty strong across the nation. It's, uh, uh, it's daily demand uh, looks pretty solid. In fact, uh, I presented the uh, kind of the supply demand heat map to one of our heavy uh, flatbed clients and he said uh, that looks great if i uh, ship freight from uh, miami to nova scotia because those, those are really the only cool zones on that map <laughs> uh reefer's been loosening some uh, but the, there has been an increased demand of course in the pack northwest and parts of the midwest and then uh from the intermodal standpoint which has just been chaos for the last several months the chaos continues uh, we've seen most of that uh, that disruption from the West Coast heading east, but within the last couple of weeks, I've actually experienced some uh, disruption uh, or imbalance going westerly, but primarily to the uh, to the Northern California, Oregon, Washington area. So we'll keep an eye on uh, on that as we move forward. Thanks, Rick. Does look like a weatherman westerly? You, you can tell you've got it in you, James. Yeah, you'd have been a great weatherman. Uh, thanks, James. Uh, I'm going to give a little uh, high-level report on international. 
and then Jean, I'll I'll pass to you after after I get done with that. So um, I, I'm I'm not going to go back and restate history for 2020, but it's been uh, as volatile as it's been in all the other modes as we've discussed. It's certainly been that in international, which included you know Asia shutting down for uh, six to eight weeks because of COVID. Uh, at the end of the, the first quarter to uh, China starting to ship again, but they didn't have any place to ship to in the U.S. because everything was closed down. Um, and then we, uh, we went through unprecedented um, number of rate increases as the economy started rebounding and as uh, uh, the, the channel started opening up. Um, Starting on June the 1st, we saw nine consecutive rate increase GRIs uh, in the international space uh, ending the uh, 1st of October. So rates are at a, at a high of uh, certainly the last uh, seven, eight, 10 years as, as high as they've been. I checked this morning uh, before the call and uh, rates from uh, the Southern Asia ports to U.S. West Coast is right around 3,900 for a 40 foot standard. Uh, for East Coast, it's a little over 4,600. And I checked for Dallas and Chicago, and I mean, they're, they're approaching $6,800 for a 40 foot for a mini land bridge uh, box. Um, that is uh, the, the peak season that Todd mentioned, you know, the unprecedented peak season. We're certainly feeling that in international right now. You add, uh, the Golden Week holiday that was in October and the rush to get containers to the U.S. Uh, uh, to, to precede that holiday. Uh, it's been uh, significantly impactful in Asia at the ports, and uh, the U.S. is going to start feeling that here in about a week. They're gonna, all those containers are going to start hitting. So as you're expecting that last minute peak season product to come in, you need to kind of plan that you're going to get some delays because there's going to be some pinch points around the port. Some of the drage carriers will, uh, will, will definitely be impactful. In air freight, um, we're certainly feeling it. Rates are going up on a daily basis. They're inching toward $9 a kilo. They've come up from about five in the last month. They, they rise daily. You've got a lot of electronics coming in for the Christmas season uh, that, that's taken a lot of capacity along with the Golden Week. So um, uh, we'll give more insight on on rates going forward, but we're certainly at a uh, at a high rate uh, position as we as we speak now in the international world. Gene, uh, would you like to give us some current state thoughts on uh, indirect sourcing, please? Yeah, thanks, Rick. Uh, Appreciate it. Uh, you know, some of the comments that the panel's already made, I love Todd's comment on uh, the, the peak season really being for the last six months in that e-commerce world. Uh, if you take that and couple the fact that our uh, manufacturing, our economy as a whole has, has bounced back, uh, we've seen, uh, you know, five consecutive months of improvement uh, in the economy. Uh, so, you know, those, uh, those factors are, are weighing heavily right now and adding a lot of significant upside uh, pressure to pricing in, in the packaging space. Uh, that's a space that, uh, you know, it's big in our world. We work with a lot of clients in that world. Uh, in particular, polyethylene flexible packaging products have been impacted uh, significantly over the last few months. Uh, starting in June of this year, we've seen four consecutive months now of polyethylene resin price increases. Uh, a fifth on the table for October. Uh, we'll know here in the next couple of days whether or not that actually uh, sticks and gets implemented into the market. Uh, but if that fifth increase uh, does occur, uh, then we will be looking at really uh, about a 40% increase in base resin prices. Uh, and if you ask, well, how does that translate into uh, the flexible packaging products that, that all of our clients use, the stretch film, poly, poly wrap, poly bags, uh, poly mailers, you know, all of those products will be impacted. Some of those products as much as 20% uh, 
Uh, we've already seen in the uh, stretch wrap markets two announced increases that have been passed through uh, by the major uh, manufacturers in stretch film. Uh, both of those were 6% increases, so already uh, we've seen a 12% increase in stretch film pricing uh, and, and quite honestly more, uh, more to come. But again, all of those flexible products are being impacted. Uh, demand, uh, as again, Todd mentioned, e-commerce plays a huge part uh, in that. Demand is running well above 2019 levels. Uh, and then the supply side of, of that equation, uh, manufacturers have, have been impacted uh, through a couple of factors, plan maintenance uh, in some of those resin manufacturing facilities that took some capacity out of the market. Uh, and then uh, certainly the unplanned events, uh, weather-related events uh, that we've seen in recent weeks. Uh, most of these major manufacturers sit in that Texas, Louisiana, uh, Gulf Coast region. Uh, as we all know, seven, eight weeks ago, uh, Hurricane Laura slammed in uh, to the uh, Texas, Louisiana border. Uh, their uh, significant impact to many of these facilities. Uh, and then a few weeks later, right on the heels of that, uh, Hurricane Delta uh, comes in literally to that same Area. So, so I'm aware of at least six uh, major manufacturers in and around the uh, Lake Charles, Louisiana area uh, that are down. Uh, they've been down for a few weeks now, and, and that's taken significant capacity uh, out, of these, out of these markets. Therefore, pricing uh, is increasing significantly. Uh, we're also seeing a similar dynamic in the corrugated uh, world. Uh, that's just unfolding quite honestly as we speak. Uh, some pulp operations have been impact, impacted by these weather-related events. Uh, so we're starting to see, uh, again, the major manufacturers on the street announcing increases, $50 a ton on container board. Uh, that will translate somewhere in the neighborhood of an 8 to 10% increase on corrugate products, so boxes. Uh, for those of our uh, listening audience that is not under contract, uh, you quite honestly will probably see those increases before uh, the end of the year. If, if you're under contract, uh, as we've worked with many of our clients uh, under contract, uh, we will uh, most likely be able to hold those increases off uh, until the end of the year or early uh, Q1. Uh, but uh, rest assured, everyone is being impacted by the increases we're seeing in these uh, packaging markets. Thank you, Rick. Okay, thank you, Gene. Um, well, we're we're uh, we have about another half hour to go, and uh, I'm just going to ask the question of the panel, and then we'll just uh, I'll just introduce you by name, but. Really, a, a lot of our listeners are here to get our insight as they're planning for budgets going into 2021. So, uh, start, Todd, we'll start with you, but the, the two questions that I think are material is, number one, you know, what uh, what kind of insight can you give us on that budgeting and what you, you feel may happen to rates as we go into 21? And COVID has really impacted every mode. And are there any you know, I call them permanent marks that have been hit in, in the parcel mode and for the rest of the mode. Any new normal that we need to be mindful of uh, as, as uh, companies that, are, that purchase these modes as we go forward from a budgeting perspective. Todd? Thank you, Rick. Well, to talk about 2021, we'll first just talk about uh, what we see as far as the projected rate increases that uh, um, we can anticipate for 2021. FedEx made the announcement September 15th for their 2021 year. And as you can imagine, um, they've made some um, substantial changes to, to category of, of packaging. So for example, one of the things that you've seen in, in recent times is more of a focus on hard to handle or incompatible or irregular type shape packaging. And uh, this year, starting in January 2021, FedEx is going to institute a new additional handling charge for 105 inches in length and girth, 
uh, packages. A lot of those type of packages are, are typically uh, flats, uh, large flats um, that uh, typically bypass a dimensional weight uh, impact, So, but they still have to be put onto the, a uh, separate type of incompatible irregular type belt to move through the facility. It's one of the reasons why they went to the 48 inches on the longest side packaging because that's how these uh, automated facilities are being designed. Um, with more automation being put into place, less packaging that not does not fit the norm can be on those belts, so they're pulled off of the belt. Therefore, they're going to be handled ma more manually, and therefore, they're going to assess a charge to it. And giving you an idea on that, there's a whole new section of package that's going to get a surcharge of $16 off of their published rate for 2021. So in 2020, that package is not being assessed a charge. In 2021, it's going to be assessed a charge up to $16. So that's going to be a, a major impact. And some of our customers that we've already looked at, it's about 40% of their rate increase dollars is coming off of that 105-inch uh, definition change. Along with that, that I wanted to point out is in FedEx, made the announcement that their transportation expense is going to go up on ground services and air services 4.9%. So the significance of that is, is that it's been 4.9% or higher not for the last 14 years straight. So they've pretty much um, been able to position the industry to accept that type of, of increase. And so again, they're passing that increase forward. One thing to note is they're making a bigger change on these surcharges and fees. So even if you take a look at your transportation expense of 4.9, your overall transportation increase for small package in 2021 most likely will exceed the 4.9. And that's again, based on the 105 inch type packaging, but it's also based on just the surcharges and fees as for example, the if you take a look at the charge for a uh, home delivery, home delivery is is basically going to go up from four dollars to four thirty five, and that's basically going to be uh, you know over almost uh, you know eight percent of an increase, eight point seven percent of an increase. When you take a look at that, along with the DAS charge, DAS is going up also uh, over seven percent these changes are going to have a drastic impact on how you adjust and manage your budget going into 2021 especially for the e-commerce shippers because that volume has grown so drastically so quickly it's ate up their capacity that they had planned to help take them into 2021 2022 and in doing so the tightening of pricing is going to occur through 2021 in the residential arena, more selective pricing, more selective contracts to customers. Um, the other point that I wanted to uh, uh, make is that even though the charges are going up for surcharges, FedEx has made some additional changes to the zip code classification for DAS, meaning that they pulled this uh, zip codes out of the extended DAS, which you would call super rural, which is the higher charge, and then put them into the DAS, which is rural. But here's the thing, they've taken a, um, several million people, zip codes, right? So there's 40 some thousand plus zip codes in the United States. But if you take a look at adding only, you know, three to 4,000 additional zip codes being classified as rural where in 2020 they're not rural that adds to the cost of that package being delivered to a home as well and that's adding millions of people into that bucket so there in itself is another rate increase the bottom line is that the the plan for 2021 for most uh, customers should be in the six percent range on their small small package spend per per cart now, obviously, e-commerce shippers, a lot of, many of them have seen their volume go through the roof, so their overall spend is up drastically, but really taking a look at the carton expenses. 
thanks, Todd. Uh, there's a there's a lot to process there, um, and uh, but but the I think the consistent direction is the rates are going are going up, yeah. and there's a lot of ways that the parcel carriers can uh, can attach those rate increases uh, um, uh, and and execute them. Uh, Jacob, we have uh, one, just one a quick one quick point is we expect UPS yeah. to make announcement here in the coming weeks very shortly. Last year they made it in December which was the latest they've made it. So we do expect them still to be sometime, um, we're gonna expect them to do it sometime in uh, late November, probably um, uh, before Thanksgiving. And we'll, we'll be giving guidance out on that after that uh, increase is announced as normal, correct? Correct. Okay, all right. Uh, Jacob Hawkins, uh, let's talk about LTL, uh, what, what you, predict rates will look like in uh, 21 and any new normal situation in the LTL enterprise space? Yeah, so, you know, a tight capacity means as a carrier's market. Um, we're already seeing carriers target um, uh, pretty hefty increases in some of those higher capacity lanes, and that's something we expect to see continue into 2021 until really uh, the capacity uh, situation corrects itself, hopefully at some point. Um, for customers with, you know, nice palletized dot-to-dot freight, um, we're telling many of our customers who fit that category to expect somewhere between 4 to 7% for 2021. For the customers with longer freight or bulky, low-dense freight, you know, non-dot-to-dot freight, you know, what LTL carriers will typically deem, you know, less than desirable or ugly freight, um, those are the ones that's a little harder to put your thumb on. It has to do with, you know, how aggressive pricing you've had historically and how it's operating for those for your incumbent carriers currently. Um, so it, it started a couple years ago with the move to sort of by the LTL carriers to try to start pushing some of that overlinked freight out of the LTL industry or less price it so it pays for itself. So sort of a continuation. Um, of that we're seeing as they target um, many customers whose freight uh, is what they would deem less than desirable. And then as far as new normal goes, um, the surcharges, especially, you know, we've seen increases even prior to COVID in some of the California surcharges. I mean, those are definitely here to stay. I wouldn't be surprised if um, those go up even higher next year. Uh, there's rumors that other states are looking at some additional taxes, which could very well lead to other surcharges from the LTL market in those areas. And then on the e-commerce front, prior to COVID, some of the LTL carriers were starting, starting to dip their toe in the water on that front. They were starting to invest more heavily in box trucks to where they can get in and out of residential uh, deliveries much easier. Um, once COVID and the capacity crunch hits, it's, it's another time where they're just struggling with their normal uh, business at that point. So they're sort of keeping at arm's length, at least some of those true residential deliveries as much as possible. Um, but once the capacity situation corrects itself, that's where you're still going to see at least some key LTL carriers try to get out in front and really make some headway in that opportunity. Jacob, question for you, follow-up question. Uh, Todd mentioned over-dimensional freight that is that is technically uh, the, the parcel carriers are trying to price out of their network. Are the LTL carriers conscious that this freight may be coming to them? And, you know, you said they're they're getting more residential type delivery vehicles. Are they are they prepared for some of that uh, modal conversion freight to come their way? They're, they're, they're prepared for it, but they're not going to price it very nicely. Let's put it that way. Um, okay. any, you know, we've, we've got a handful of customers whose freight has historically just been outside what you could ship in a parcel network. And those, those kind of items require, since it's typically it's being shipped loose with the LTL carriers, it's not palletized. Um, it, it's not something uh, carriers are, are fighting over to handle um, by any means. Uh, so 
um, anybody who's sort of being uh, having that freight pushed out of parcel, um, it's not going to be necessarily welcomed with arms wide open by the LTO community. Okay, thank you, Jacob. Chris, uh, what do you see in the transactional world in LTL space? Yeah, on the blanket side, you know, I'd say historically, you know, if you're a a shipper working with a broker that's leveraging blanket tariffs with an LTL carrier, you know, typically the broker, you know, is going to get a general rate increase. You expect that three to 4% kind of year in and year out. Um, I think so far what we're seeing this year is slightly higher than that, although um, not towards that kind of 7%, maybe plus range that Jacob mentioned on some of the enterprise contracts. Um, but we're seeing, you know, kind of four to 6%, um, so far, and you know, a lot of renewals, you know, coming up here in the in the next few months. So we'll see how that that plays out. Um, you know, I would say just for budgeting expectation, again, if you're if you're leveraging a broker, uh, blanket LTL tariffs, um, kind of the nimble is the word I would say I would place on the carriers, which probably historically I would not have uh, characterized too many LTL carriers as nimble, but we've certainly seen that. Um, this year, just in terms of making drastic changes, not only into the pricing we're receiving, but even some of the, uh, the, the types of freight they want. A great example, we have a national carrier, carrier we work with um, in April um, on volume LTL quoting, um, basically told us they would match any volume LTL quote we got from any carrier in our network. Um, literally six weeks later, uh, they were not accepting any volume shipments um, from anyone because uh, the market had flipped so quickly, um, but they they made that move on a dime. Um, and so again, blanket tariffs, carriers do have pool in terms of uh, you know, easily adding in surcharges or um, trying to optimize the freight moving through the network. So um, while our increases haven't been drastic, carriers will certainly reach out if we have customers uh, freight that we're moving that isn't optimal for them, um, asking us to remove them as a carrier option you know, for that location or maybe that zip code. So we're seeing a lot more of that kind of uh, quick changes by the carriers to adapt you know, as the environment um, has changed. And then I would say, just to kind of piggyback on that, I think the direction things are going and COVID has certainly accelerated this. I think um, we've already started seeing this, but there's going to be a big push towards dynamic pricing um, on these blanket uh, blanket tariffs with carriers. So we have a couple carriers um, that we've we've initiated uh, dynamic pricing with today. And so instead of being locked in at kind of a certain rate based on you know, weights and zip codes, uh, these carriers are adjusting their prices to kind of adapt to these changes in their network. And so um, we've already had a couple, we've already had conversations with a few more national carriers that are gonna be pushing this out in 2021. Um, so what that means, uh, there's some good opportunity there. Um, we've seen some really aggressive pricing from these carriers, um, and some are changing as, as uh, quickly as daily, and others are, are more of a weekly or monthly shift where they're adjusting the rate that we get back from our system. Um, you know, and all that's electronic through API, bringing those rates back in. But um, you know, there's carriers that were not competitive in certain lanes that we run, um, that now on a Thursday or Friday, they're trying to fill capacity and they may be a, you know, $50 or $100 cheaper than the next uh, cheapest option in that lane. So I think there's going to be a big push um, for the carriers that have the capability and those that don't today will invest heavily so they, they can have technology in place so they can be really responsive, um, especially for brokers that have these um, LTL rates in place so that they can optimize, you know, freight and uh, profitability in their networks. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Chris. Uh, good insight. Uh, James Matthews, uh, give us a little crystal ball on the truckload world. Well, I believe uh, in line with the other modes, we are going to see an increase, and there's several factors that go into that, uh, primary always being capacity. And when we look at what tonnage has done this year, tonnage has been down, but we've seen an increase in rates across all modes since May. And that has to be indicative of uh, some equipment leaving the market. So I think we've seen some smaller fleets that are most likely closed shop due to COVID-related disruptions or uh, rising insurance premiums, but also the impact on the drug and alcohol uh, clearinghouse. And the ATA actually has pointed out this has been severely underreported 
Uh, and as of October 1st, year to date, over 34,000 drivers have been placed in prohibited status. And almost 27,000 of those have not even started the process to get to a return to duty status. Uh, don't get me wrong, we don't want these drivers on the road if they, if they pose a potential risk to the public, but that's a large uh, uh, decrease in a short period of time. And according to the ATA and Department of Labor, uh, the truckload industry as a whole is, uh, is down about 74,000 positions, almost 5% from where we were a year ago. That's a significant drop in an industry that has struggled in bringing in new talent historically. Uh, we also have new class eight truck sales. Uh, they were pretty much non-existent for a while, but now uh, we're seeing some activity in that space, but most of that equipment probably is not gonna be available to the market until mid to late 2021. Um, and many of these are probably large fleet uh, operations and they're ordering as replacement equipment, not necessarily new equipment. A lot of smaller to mid-sized fleets that I've talked to, they've been tentative in purchasing new equipment because they feel like the market is too volatile to kind of take on that capital expense. Other factors that are going to create a, a little bit of a rise in the truckload space is those rising insurance premiums, which I mentioned, uh, but these are due to some high uh, uh, jury verdicts that are going to increase the cost to the, the, the carrier itself, but then ultimately the shipper and then ultimately the consumer. Uh, you're, we're also in an election year and sometimes consumer that can spark consumer confidence and that can drive up shipping volumes. Uh, weather events, winter closures can create some imbalances just like storms do. Uh, everybody might, well, not everybody, uh, Jacob, you're young. You may not remember the polar vortexes that, uh, that kind of crippled and, and created those imbalances and shutdowns and that had a lingering effect. Uh, there's another factor that I think uh, is not necessarily reported on very often, and if you listen to Todd, Chris, uh, and Jacob, you hear all of that disruption in those spaces. If you're having that kind of disruption or that increase uh, or capacity crunch in small package, does that roll over to LTL? Does LTL then roll over into the truckload space? If we continue to have uh, issues in the international space, do we have more domestic sourcing? I already mentioned that uh, intermodal has been uh, has been an, a bit of a nightmare. Uh, does more of that freight that is riding on the rails move over to the truckload space? Truckload already is about 72% of all of the domestic traffic, uh, and I can see that kind of uh, increasing in this time frame. So with all of that, uh, we can expect some increases. Uh, and for TI clients, I would, in, in, I would anticipate about a three to 5% in contractual space. That's any load that, or any lane that has enough volume where we can expect an asset provider to uh, live up to a rating obligation. And then in the spot market uh, that generally lives on kind of a, a bid board platform, I would, I would target about five to 7%. And the way that we actually are gonna do that is a, a, a targeted approach. Um, full network RFQs right now probably aren't going to add as much uh, value to you unless you've had significant changes in your in your network. Uh, we're really going to look at it lane by lane, uh, market by market, even carrier by carrier to determine the areas that are uh, most out of alignment and then target those and really rely on the great relationships that we and our clients have uh, developed with their, uh, with their carrier partners. I can't stress that uh, enough, the importance of these candid conversations and relationships with your carriers to help insulate you uh, from that. So on the, uh, on the contract side, three to five uh, spot, five to seven, and that's for TI clients. It may be higher if you're not. Uh, the, uh, the new normal, uh, I think we've seen a couple things that are, are developing. This first one I'm, I, I believe is gonna happen. Over the last several years, I, you saw uh, large national carriers that did a lot of over-the-road shipping kind of contract into this regional presence. Uh, they were doing that to, uh, you know, entice drivers with more home time. Um, but with COVID disruptions, you had markets that were shut down uh, and you had a lot of drivers sitting. I think you're going to see some diversification in lane mix and efforts to kind of solidify some of those backhauls contractually versus kind of surfing the load boards. And then the second change that I think is uh, phenomenal, I think that there's a true embracing of the data, both from a carrier and a shipper side. 
I think there was a there was the impression from carriers that all of this data, the scorecarding, the measuring, the monitoring is going to replace the relationship. And I think they found now that it actually enhances, it solidifies that relationship as opposed to replacing it. Carriers wanna show that they're, they're top tier providers for, uh, for their shippers and, and shippers really want that reliability of true partners. All of this data has really driven our meetings and, uh, and made them more productive in our carrier summits that we facilitate along with our clients have allowed for uh, you know, more fellowship and actually future planning than kind of uh, rate discussions. It, it's definitely a, a, a fluid conversation. So uh, that's what I've got, Rick. Thanks, James. As, as you know, in the truckload space, the thing that's becoming very clear is you really want to be a shipper of choice for the truckload carriers. Uh, uh, that, that it's there's there's never been more incentive, correct? Correct. And uh, not only being that good partner, as we're talking about all of these factors, look at ways that you can be more flexible uh, to kind of uh, mitigate some of those cost increases, extended uh, lead time, extended loading hours, uh, extended delivery windows, anything that you can do to uh, help a, uh, a, a carrier keep keep their wheels moving. And by that, I also mean uh, lower your loading time uh, and your unloading time. Anything that you can do around that is going to help you. But you're absolutely right. Shipper of choice will always be paramount. Thanks, James. Uh, I'm going to give a, a, a few remarks on the international space. And Gene, then I'll, I'll throw it uh, to you. And if we do have any time, Michael, if there's any questions, uh, we'll, we'll field those. But the international space, um, for our listeners, it's. Uh, I wish I did have a crystal ball. I, I think that uh, we we are in unprecedented times. To use a phrase that's used almost daily uh, in the global space, uh, we've learned significantly that the planet has really shrunk. Where an issue uh, on the other side of the world can affect the globe uh, when it comes to logistics, and I'm not just talking about international logistics. It's affected every mode. So any guidance that we give is going to be dependent upon global stability, or at least some semblance of global stability. Um, the, you know, normally when you budget an international, you know, you look at last year and you kind of ratchet up rates based off guidance the carriers are given, uh, you know, maybe uh, four to six percent, just like the other modes. Uh, that's not going to work this year. If, if you want to look at a budgeting number, look at December's number. Don't look at January 2020's number. Those rates won't be back. Um, there have been some significant things that have happened in the space. So uh, I've talked to a couple of clients one-on-one, -on -one, and we talked about contingency budgeting. Uh, we're available to have those discussions. But um, you know, I'm, I'm, we will see a drop in rates. I think we're at an all-time high now. But I think we will see a post-peak season, maybe lull, but it's just going to be a couple of points, and then it's going to pick right up at that level in, in January. The new normal in the international space, uh, I won't spend a lot of time on this. I can, but I won't. Uh, the, the three major shipping alliances did something that I predicted, you know, incorrectly that they would do eight or 10 years ago when they were formed, and that was that they could tightly control the supply in the space of, of container capacity. They were forced to do that. They, they didn't have the discipline to do it in the past. They had to do it in 2020 at the, at the middle of the second quarter for survival. So we saw a lot of sailing cancellations. We saw a lot of vessel sharing, and they were able to manage the supply through the summer and had unprecedented nine straight increases because they wouldn't increase supply until the demand drove the increase of supply. And, and now we've got everything that floats is full and the rates are at an all time high, uh, kind of an unprecedented situation. Folks, they're not gonna forget how to do that. You know, as we go into 21 and if there's a lull in the economy or there's a global situation that brings uh, container volume down, they're just going to pull the supply out of the market and, until they get rates. So I think we're going to see less volatility, but the rates are going to remain high through uh, through 21. Look at your December 
booking rates. Those would be what I would budget uh, for the first quarter, and then we'll we'll see what happens uh, from there. Uh, Gene, uh, indirect sourcing guidance. We've got uh, maybe uh, five or six minutes, and then we'll leave some time for questions. Yeah, I'll make this pretty quick, Rick. Thank you. Uh, you know, normally looking into the uh, crystal ball to forecast some of these packaging markets, uh, uh, typically pretty cloudy, uh, quite honestly. But I, I guess, unfortunately, right now, we have some pretty clear markers and some pretty clear indicators uh, that tells us, uh, uh, again, a, or at least paints a pretty clear picture as we head into 2021. Uh, we will be seeing increases uh, in all of these packaging markets. Uh, flexible packaging will be the most volatile. Uh, we'll see uh, for certain products, certainly some double-digit uh, increases uh, in some of the flexible packaging markets. Uh, and then again, we know uh, based on what's on the street today uh, that going into the first quarter, we're gonna see uh, anywhere from a, a eight to ten percent increase in in the corrugate markets. Uh, as we move deeper into 21, uh, I, I do think we'll see some relief on, on the flexible packaging side. As, as some of these facilities have been impacted by the uh, events that we talked about earlier, as some of those guys begin to come back online, uh, the supply side of the equation uh, will will begin to ease somewhat. Uh, you know, with that said, the, the, these flexible packaging markets are impacted uh, significantly as well by global energy prices. So, you know, trying to guess what's going to happen there is a crapshoot at, at best. Uh, but I do think uh, later in the year, maybe late second quarter, early third quarter, uh, we could see some uh, actual reductions in some of those resin uh, markets, which, which might help us ease uh, the pain to a degree. Uh, but again, as, as we plan on 2021, certainly we should plan on higher prices on, on the flexible packaging product. Uh, and then corrugate, uh, you know, we, we know we're going to be seeing increases uh, based on what's announced today uh, in those markets early 2021. Uh, my guess is, uh, you know, those guys, as they get a little momentum announcing increases, uh, sometimes it's hard to slow them down. Uh, my guess is they're going to push for a second increase. Uh, again, late second quarter, early third quarter uh, remains to be seen, obviously, if that will uh, occur, but I'm confident they'll push for that. Again, it'll be in that 8% uh, range. The thing that may hold that at bay to a degree is there's some additional capacity uh, coming in. The uh, container board markets, uh, several facilities, paper facilities uh, that do fine paper, that do printing paper, that do newsprint paper, you know, when's the last time we bought a newspaper? It's probably been a while. Uh, printing paper shipments were down 21% in September. So many of those facilities are actually converting over uh, to container board facilities, which again will help the supply equation uh, in those markets and could hold uh, that second attempted increase at bay. We'll be certainly uh, keeping an eye on that and, and notifying our clients of, of what we see there. In terms of the new normal, to echo kind of what we've heard already, you know, with the increased uh, uh, activity in the e-commerce market, uh, that's not going anywhere. Matter of fact, I saw a report uh, the other other day where uh, the flexible packaging markets uh, are expected to double over the next four to five years. Uh, so that demand is, is not going away. So the new normal is we just need to plan for that demand. We need to uh, develop strategic relationships with our suppliers to help us mitigate uh, some of the increases that may come our way, uh, as as well as help us through uh, some of the crunches like we saw earlier this year on the PPE products where product was hard to get. I think the new normal is people need to manage their indirect supplies in more of a strategic uh, function and strategic manner uh, to get those supplier partnerships that will help you uh, through those difficult times. Thanks, Gene. Uh, I got a, a text question from, from one of our clients. I'm going to answer it real quick. They ask about air, air rates going into 21 international air rates. Um, it, it's, it's definitely a supply-demand-driven uh, uh, pricing model. But one thing of significance 
um, vaccines are going to hit the market globally in the first quarter. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that the capacity to, to vaccine the world is going to be 8,000 fully laden uh, 747 freighters. That capacity is going to come from somewhere. So as you're budgeting in 2021 and you're dependent on air freight, that you need to be mindful of that as we go forward because that, that capacity will move at a premium. The rates will go up. McKinsey followed the journal article and said that when you put syringes and everything, it's actually 15,000 fully laden 747s of capacity to get a vaccine around the globe. So if, if you're very dependent on air freight, you need to be very mindful of that as you go into budgeting. Michael, do we have any questions? We sure do, Rick, and a lot of great information from our panel. We'll just let everybody on the line know we are recording our session today, and we're going to make it live for you on our website at transportationinsight.com. You can look for that probably later this afternoon or tomorrow, so you go back and, and get all these great details. Also want to let folks know you've asked the questions. We're going to answer them, try to get as many as we can, but if we don't get to your question, we will respond to you directly, and, and like I said, we do have several of them. I'll throw it out, out to you, Rick, and, and probably also James. This is around the freight market and some of the huge increases that we're seeing now that we're seeing some of these huge increases in freight cross is this establishing a new precedence that will just continue moving forward or do you think these costs will align with more normal pricing in 2021 you go ahead james i'll i'll follow up yeah no uh so the truckload market in particular has a way of self-correcting um when rates are increased the way that they are it does start bringing people in um very few trucking companies are going to leave trucks unseated when they can move them at a, a premium when they can uh increase the wage to a driver and bring them over from other sectors like construction or oil and gas uh then uh, and you'll see an increase in uh, in truck sales. Those things start to balance out. So that's why you always have this kind of uh, up, I mean, this pendulum swinging market, it's self-correct. So I don't think this is where it, uh, where we peg it and then moving forward, it just keep going up. I think there will definitely be eventually a drop and then rise and drop and rises uh, as these issues kind of continue. So. Uh, I don't think this has set a new benchmark for rates in the market, but we will definitely need to get that additional capacity and carriers and drivers into the market to uh, to accommodate it. Yeah, I, I'll just say real quick, Michael, the, you, you've got to understand carriers are, are I mean, they're a for-profit business. And, and one of the key components to their profitability is that they have a balanced network. They do very few empty miles. So you need to wonder how your freight is positioned with those carriers or within those modes. And, and you know, a company like us, we can help you with that. But you need to know, you need to look at your business as carriers look at it. And we've, we've announced 6%, 7%. There are some lanes that you're going to look at a double digit increase because that does not promote balance at that specific carrier's network. So it, there's just no easy answer, but I think we are in a time of volatility and, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future until until things balance, uh, I think we are going to we are in a period of increase. Thanks so much, Rick. Again, a lot of great information. I know we've got some questions out there about palletized uh, LTL freight and, and some parcel rates, and, and we want to respond right back to you folks, and we'll connect with you directly. But unfortunately, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to need to conclude our presentation to this uh, event. And, and again, want to thank our moderator, Rick Brummett, and his knowledgeable panel for, for providing such great information today. Thank For more you. information or to reach out to our supply chain masters, please use the contact information that you see on our screen. Reach right out and contact these experts. You can also visit us online at transportationinsight.com. That's where you can access more about our solutions, our blogs, and our resource guides. That includes our fourth quarter chain leak 2020. Look for it on the guides page of our resources section. It's our industry forecast. has a lot of the information you've talked about today, as well as an end of year look at peak season, shipping conditions, and things to come for 2021.
Whether your business is large or small, Transportation Insight has a solution for you. We can help you control cost, manage risk, and improve customer experience. On behalf of our panelists and Transportation Insight, thank you for joining our broadcast. May you master the remainder of your day.